This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Women's Leadership Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Talia Schwartz, President and CEO of Metro Plus Health Plan in New York City. Dr. Schwartz, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. My pleasure to be here today. Um, well, before we dive into our discussion, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your background and a few points of pride for Metro Plus Health Plan. Of course. Um, so I am actually a pediatrician by training, someone who knew they wanted to be a doctor since they were five years old uh, and was uh, fortunate enough to pursue my passion. Um, after a few years of, uh, of practicing, I really wanted to do something on a larger scale. Uh, and so moved from clinical practice into population health and held various uh, positions um, impacting various sectors um, of our population, trying to improve large groups health, um, both in for-profit and non-for-profit profit capacities. Um, and about five years ago, um, I was appointed as a chief medical officer for Metro Plus Health Plan in New York City. Uh, and approximately two years ago, appointed as the president and CEO of uh, Metro Plus Health Plan. Um, our plan is, uh, is a regional plan. We only cover uh, people who reside in New York City. We have over 600,000 um, uh, enrollees in our, in our plan. We offer multiple types of, uh, of coverage. Um, from uh, Medicaid to Medicare to commercial coverage. Uh, we are owned by New York City Health and Hospitals and have been around for more than 35 years. Fantastic. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. And first off, what are your top priorities today and how do you anticipate they're going to change in the next 12 months? Yeah, so... In general, um, Metro Plus Health Plan um, was created to serve the underserved New Yorkers. And so this will always be a, a priority of the plan to make sure that um, people have access to good quality coverage. Um, and when we're talking about uh, vulnerable New Yorkers, we're talking really about uh, low-income New Yorkers where access to, to coverage um, is a barrier. Um, so that will, that will never change and that has been our mission for the, for the past 35 years. Uh, more specifically right now, we are trying to help our members to get vaccinated. Um, so as you know, uh, the vaccination rates are actually quite good in, in New York City but there is a significant disparity um, based on kind of a, a racial differentiation um, between, between New Yorkers. Because we mostly insure minorities, um, our vaccination rates are lower uh, than the general population. And it is truly our mission to help uh, both educate our members uh, about the availability of, of the vaccine, the safety of the vaccine, and then help, um, help them overcome any kind of barriers they may have um, to actually receive the vaccine. So it's a huge, huge priority for us uh, right now, and I expect that to be a priority for um, the kind of foreseeable future. As we progress um, through the year, 
the other priority will be to make sure that people are really getting plugged back into care. Although we are seeing um, some pickup uh, in terms of regular medical care uh, after what happened in 2020, um, we're still seeing a significant lag. We're seeing a lag in uh, immunization for kids. We're seeing uh, a lag in um, screening uh, procedures, screening uh, for, uh, for cancer, dental care, and even uh, treatments for chronic conditions. People are still a little wary uh, about um, accessing uh, hospitals, accessing um, medical offices. And so some of the regular medical needs are, are being neglected to, to some extent. So while the immediate, immediate priority is to make sure that as many people uh, as possible are getting immunized, it's also important um, to help people get back on track uh, and get all of the services they require either to stay healthy or to treat their conditions and, uh, and prevent complications. Additionally, in the last state um, uh, budget season, there were a lot of legislations that are impacting uh, the health insurance uh, industry uh, and actually are going to impact a lot of New Yorkers uh, in terms of eligibility for coverage and also the premiums that they will be paying and the subsidies that they might be receiving. Um, so our responsibility will be, A, to make sure that we implement all of those changes that uh, came from, from the state, and also to make sure that New Yorkers are informed about those changes because all of them are uh, tremendously um, positive and favorable and truly make uh, health coverage more affordable. And we want to make sure that more and more people take advantage uh, of this advancement. That's a really good point in terms of making sure that people know what's changing and what they have the opportunity to access so that they're able to get the care that they need. And I'm wondering, as a quick follow-up, you know, as you're trying to get the message out about vaccinations and receiving, you know, going back to receiving the care that you need for preventative care or chronic care management, and then to, you know, for, for some of these other issues, um, is there a type of message that you found really works well or better than others to um, get people's attention? Or are you still trying out many different things to see how you can get as many people as possible together? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. It's not completely obvious what, what works well, and we have tried uh, various modalities of reaching out to members and various messages. What we find to be the winning combination is when you include science um, and rely on science, but the, 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 the scientific message is being relayed by someone that the listener is trusting and can relate to. So essentially simplifying uh, the scientific evidence uh, and making sure that it's being delivered at a level uh, that people can understand, that they can relate to, uh, and also by a person or an entity that they are familiar with, that they have experience with, that they know they can trust. Um, we see that that combination usually works uh, well. One of our um, medical directors uh, became a, somewhat of a celebrity uh, since he has this, uh, the passion 
to really make sure that as many of our members are getting vaccinated and is really able to distill all of the complexities uh, behind kind of the science of the COVID vaccine and all of the uh, fears that people have to a language that people can, can understand, can appreciate, feel comfortable asking questions, really communicating, and ultimately we see that people are taking action. Well, that's great to hear. That's great to hear. Now, as you mentioned, I know you serve a population in New York City that um, is a highly minorities um, or who you're serving. And I'm wondering, you know, as you look at your teams too, how do you promote diversity among the executive team there? Yeah, good question. I just uh, want to start by saying that it's true. We really serve a, an extremely diverse population. And I am a strong believer that the leadership of an organization has to reflect um, the customers that it serves. Uh, you can't be projecting to, to understand your customers. You really have to be able to understand and, and relate to them. So with, with that conviction, I am actually very fortunate to have uh, an executive team that is 100% um, made out of women and minorities. Uh, uh, and some of it happens kind of organically by people growing within the company. And some of it was actually very deliberate going out and recruiting uh, specifically women or uh, minorities or women who are minorities. Um, to supplement kind of the executive thinking that we have, the executive direction. Uh, and I have to say that it's not just lip service. When you have a diverse group of people, a diverse uh, group of, of leaders, your horizons truly expand. You start thinking of, in ways you have not thought before, and it really starts to give you a competitive advantage um, even from a business perspective. Um, so I'm excited about the progress we, we made so far. Our workforce uh, is extremely diversified. Um, our workforce speaks, I think, over 40 different languages. Um, but I'm not done. We're not done. We want to continue to increase the diversity throughout the, the entire um, uh, rank structure uh, at Metro Plus Health Plan. And so we continue to invest in specific uh, recruitment tasks that will bring more, uh, more women and minorities. Um, we are offering mentorship programs to make sure that we're able to elevate uh, leaders with potential within the company. Uh, and I'm very excited about the progress that we made so far and look forward to making even more progress. That sounds great. And I'm wondering, you know, for other organizations, what would you advise them to do that so that they can promote women leadership? Obviously, you've done a fantastic job on your team. And for organizations that, you know, maybe aren't as diverse, how can they really make sure that women are growing within or being brought in to uh, bring such an important perspective to the leadership? Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, um, and, and this has been my personal experience as well, um, when you have either a formal, formal uh, mentorship program or informal um, mentors uh, who can help guide you uh, through the maze of, of your career path and career growth, 
uh, that's usually uh, extremely beneficial, especially, especially for women. Um, I have to say that almost always in, when I landed in a new position, um, almost organically, there was a woman leader who uh, took me in essentially and helped me kind of through, through the maze, uh, helped me to get acclimated, helped me understand uh, kind of the macro uh, of where I am and how to navigate uh, the various challenges of, of a new position. So I am a true believer that um, either through structured or unstructured mentorship, uh, women leaders can help other uh, women to uh, grow in their in their careers. Um, and there are strategies uh, in terms of uh, recruiting. You can be um, very deliberate in how you're recruiting. And this never means compromising on your candidates. Um, we're very, very particular in hiring the exact right talent that will bring the most value to, to our organization. So by no means does it mean that you're giving up something here. But having said that, if you are deliberate about the candidates that you wanna bring into the organization, you understand that diversity can really advance your um, uh, business leadership, um, you will be more successful in bringing more women and have a more diversified workforce. That makes a lot of sense and is really helpful to know. Now, Dr. Schwartz, as we wrap up our conversation here, I was wondering, what are your top three pieces of advice for aspiring women leaders today? Yeah, and this advice will really apply to, to both genders. I think one of the most important things is really to be passionate about what you do. Um, this passion is palpable. Um, it's easier for you to be successful. It's easier for people to see your passion and to see the value that you, that you bring to the organization. And your growth will almost, almost happen uh, effortlessly. And most importantly, we spend so much time doing our jobs. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, it's unlikely that you will be happy doing what you're doing. Um, and it's important, it's really important to, to feel good about what you're doing, to feel excited about what you're doing. Uh, and this will almost inevitably will lead to your progression and your, and your success. I think that the other advice will be um, to be fearless. Uh, if you think that you're bringing value, if you think you can take on more responsibility, if you think you deserve a raise, go and ask for it. Of course, you have to substantiate your, your, your request, so it can't come out of nowhere. But many women are hesitant about um, asking for that promotion, asking for that, that phrase, saying that if they are valued, then their manager or their supervisor will recognize it and will come to them. Well, sometimes it will happen, but sometimes it won't. So if it doesn't happen, uh, I really encourage women to be, to be fearless uh, and ask for what they think they deserve. What's case scenario? It will be a no or maybe a not yet. Uh, and then the last advice is to really uh, find a champion for yourself, somebody who is more advanced, somebody who is more experienced, somebody who can 
both help you navigate through through the system and also advocate and support you when you're looking for for that promotion or advancement. Dr. Schwartz, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much.